0: Welcome to the Calvary Lake Ozark Message Podcast. Wherever you are tuning in from today, we hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. If you'd like more information about Calvary Lake Ozark, visit CalvaryLakeOzark.com. So, this morning is going to be a little bit different. We're going to take a break from Colossians. Don't worry, the Spirit of the Lord hasn't departed from Calvary. We're just going to take a small break and do something I want to call Serve Sunday. Um, and every, this is something I want to do every year. So it's not just about, hey, there's needs in the church, and here's a list of all the needs, and make everybody feel guilty, and a horrible Christian because you're not serving. That's not the goal at all. Because I don't want us as a body to be led by need. I want us to be led by the Spirit. And if we're led by the Spirit, every one of us, there will be no need. Because we'll, the Lord will guide and direct as there is need within our body and even outside as we impact the community Um, and so i want to try to answer the question this morning why is serving so important in our christian walk and so it's definitely not going to be one of those verse by verse even though we're going to be in a lot of scripture so if you have your bible with you and it's okay we we take that verse by verse every other sunday but there still is some fruit to a systematic theology where we take a certain subject this is what we did in seminary you take a subject and what does scripture as a whole say about that because if you do that with any other topic you won't have a fullness without it so like if you wanted to know that's all i need is somebody else talking to me you take that next <clears throat> i preach alone come on uh, so if you take like in seminary we talked about okay i want to know about the divinity of jesus if i only read the gospel of john I'm going to have an incomplete understanding of the divinity of Jesus. I need all of Scripture. And so that is what systematic theology is. And so we're going to take a systematic approach to what is serving. So uh, we're going to kick it off in Mark 10:45. So if you have your Bible, open up there. Again, we're going to be all over the place, so we're going to be pages going everywhere. And Jesus is saying, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's pray. Father, we love you, we trust you, and Lord, we just come before you this morning. And as we keep our eyes focused on you and how your spirit is moving, leading, and guiding us, I pray that our response would be yes and amen. Give us a faith and a boldness that would not quench you, that would not grieve you, but would be led by you And even as we say, Lord, continue to fill us that we would be found faithful to serve you with our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So that word serve, anywhere that we see in the New Testament, the Greek word is diakoneo, and that'll be on the test after the service, so you want to write that down. And it means to serve, and it also means to minister. And I love that because we're all in ministry as followers of Jesus, we're all in ministry. So it means that we're all called to serve. We are all servants of Jesus. Now we might be good servants, we might be bad servants, but as followers of Jesus, understanding the command that is upon us, we're all in ministry. We are all servants. And that word literally means to kick up dust because we're on the move. And I love that, that us, as followers of Jesus, we can't sit still enough to let the dust settle in our lives. We're always kicking up dust. We're always on the move, and I like that, and I think that should be us as the church, that we never rest on what we've done and look back and say, oh, great, we went to Kentucky. Isn't that good? Let's just let the dust settle. Let's just calm down a little bit. No, we have a pulse. It means we have a purpose. We have more work to do. We're not done yet. That's a great thing that we did last week. What is the great thing? What is the work that the Lord has for us this week? And so we never want to look back. Yes, we celebrate how God has moved and what he has done there, but he's, he's still moving. There's still a work to be done. And so this serving, <clears throat> I love this definition for us. Caring for others as the Lord guides in an active, practical way. It's not something that's passively going to happen. It's not something that's going to, Just all of a sudden, like, oh, I'm serving the Lord. Here we go. I didn't know this is okay. No, this is something that we actively are going to do, and it's going to be done in practical ways. And obviously, we just look at Jesus as our example. He would always fill a physical need, then a spiritual need. So sometimes, yes, we absolutely need to be praying for one another. But sometimes we need to be providing for one another, caring for one another in a practical way not just in the spiritual way. So why is serving important? I got three kind of points. And I also have kind of a tickle. So thank you for the grace of having something to keep me from coughing into the mic all morning. Serving is a part of our identity as followers of Jesus. Why is it important? Because it's a part of our identity as followers of Jesus. Because serving was a part of Jesus's identity that you couldn't, we can't now, you couldn't even when he was on earth, look at Jesus and try to remove the aspect of serving from him. That is who he was. He was a servant and Mark tells us that. For the son of man, which is not a uh, human title, it's a divinity title. It goes back to Daniel chapter seven. Looking at some of my Bible studs over here to help me out. Daniel seven, I believe. This is a title of divinity saying that God came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Now, if you just do a quick world religion study and all of their religious leaders, which one said, hey, I want to come and serve? But it was Jesus and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so this is who he was. Turn to Philippians. I like how Paul says that we read through philippians on our mission trips every night we would get back to the mission there big creek and after dinner we'd sit in a circle we'd read a chapter of philippians and talk about how what impacted us in the word and then what impacted us in the world today but philippians chapter 2 verse 7 he's talking about jesus and he's saying have this mind among yourselves but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and as we're talking it was actually my son that piped up and said you know if jesus if god himself said you know i'm going to come and be the form of a servant and we are to follow him doesn't it show us how much more that we need to be servants if our savior took that role as well I just had that like proud dad moment. Like he listens. He listens. He really listens. But it was so it's impacting every aspect of our lives. That if Jesus is going to take the role of a servant and everything that he did, should we not, and everything that we do, take the role of a servant. Go to John thirteen. John thirteen sixteen. I love this conversation that Jesus is having. He washed their feet, if you remember that, in the upper room, and he puts back on his outer garments and he goes and sits back down at the table, which would have been like, you could probably hear a pin drop when this happened. And he says, do you understand what I have done to you? Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, which was like the lowest servant, his job. Like, who's the lowliest of the servants in a house in this ancient Israel time? What, did, what was his job? Yeah, you wash feet, buddy. And Jesus takes the lowliest position, and he says, I have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. So they're going to be bringing in water, and we can just wash them. No. And so he's saying more than just taking some water and a rag to each other's feet, but it's an example, for I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done to you. That a servant's not greater than their master. And so if Jesus is going to wash feet, we've got to get our hands dirty. That the hands of a follower of Jesus should get dirty at times. You can even saw it was... Uh, on the trip it was kind of funny one day we walk up to a house that was four and a half feet flooded All the water was gone. We have to scrape it down and They said hey, we need to get in the crawl space to make sure there's nothing in there We need to drag it on out and they brought out those hazmat suits. You saw that picture there So we're, we're like it was me Dayton, and wesley nap and we're hazmat suiting it up and getting ready to go And then right before we climb in there The guy says oh, yeah, watch out for snakes I don't think the Lord's sending me all of a sudden. You know, I just had a just had a move of the Spirit to say, you know what, this isn't for you. Don't like snakes. So we climb up in there, and it was dirty. It was hard work. I We peeled this plastic suit off, and like the sweat and steam, just like, you could just see it. It's in the hot sun. It was crazy. It's gonna have us do that sometimes. It's what it's gonna mean to serve your neighbor. Even there at that house, they were hooking up an RV so the guy that lived there could have somewhere to live while his house was literally being gutted and it was his brother hooking it up and there's the uh not the gray water line but the plumbing line that takes everything in the rv away specifically the bathroom and there's that and he's like well i gotta open it up and he's like well what are you gonna do it's gonna get all over he goes what else do i do and he just and there he is has his brother's waist all over him because he has to hook this up for him i thought man i don't love my brother that much I really don't. Like, you can go out behind a tree, buddy. I hope you get poison ivy. I'm not doing this for you. Not happening. But this is what I love. Jesus didn't just serve strangers in the masses. But he also served those closest to him. He served his brothers. He served his own community. And so serving is important because it's our part of our identity as followers of Jesus. Number two, serving is a part of discipleship in action discipleship is becoming like jesus and that brings the impact upon the world love god love other impact the world. It's our mission statement and so without discipleship there's no salt there's no light so for us serving is a part of discipleship in action and i love in john 330 john the baptist sees jesus and he says i must decrease so that he could increase That's a great motto of discipleship and serving in our lives. It's not about us. It's even the little cards that we have to invite somebody. What's your church about? Not us. It's not about us. And there's gonna be times uh, that you're gonna get asked to hazmat suited up and crawl under a house where you're gonna get bit by, it was a 10 foot snake, let me tell you. And then a crocodile came out and I punched him. It was amazing. The Lord was with us. But there's gonna be times that you're gonna be asked to do something. And the five rules that we had at Big Creek, rule number five, get over thyself. I was like, man, I was good until rule number five. But there's going to be times that it's not about us, and I have to decrease. Why? So Christ can increase in my life, in my serving, and in the mission that I'm in. And so when we serve the local church, it's a training ground for the mission field right? Because think about it. Like, if I can't die to myself inside of these walls and serve my brothers and sisters in Christ, what hope is there that I'm going to die to myself outside of these walls with people that are dirty, rotten sinners, that are just horrible people, people that are hard to love, that live differently than me, that have a different value system than me? If I can't die to myself here with like-minded brothers, what hope am I going to die to myself outside of these walls? And so this, this Sunday thing is not just us sitting here and check marking the box and making sure we all go to heaven. No, every Sunday we're coming here and we're dying to ourselves just a little bit more because as we walk in, we're saying it's not about me and this is the training ground to set aside my pride and my ego and my selfishness and surrender my life to the Lord. But if we can't do it here, what hope are we ever gonna do it? out there. First Peter 4, 10 and 11 says, as each has received a gift. A little theology here. Everybody has a spiritual gifting. Everybody that is a believer, follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit has given you a spiritual gift. My wife used to push back, I don't have a spiritual gifting. I said, oh yes you do, honey. Oh yes you do. You can walk into a kids ministry area full of little two-footers and you experience joy, and you love it. I walk in, I start kicking, right? I can't do it. I can't do it. That is a spiritual gifting, that you have a heart for these kids. Just even on the mission trip, one of our people, uh, they actually live in Cincinnati. They drove down. She has a heart for the elderly, you know. This that's, there's just something that God has placed on their heart to want to serve these people, and some of you might be like, "I could never walk into a nursing home; that would be weird." And she's like, "I love that." There's certain things that God has given us gifts and passions and skills for. Every every one of us has at least one. And while we're on the topic, but there's not one gift that we all have to have specifically to try to determine our salvation. Because there are some branches of christianity that would say that oh you all need this gift to be saved specifically it's talking about tongues it's not true but peter says each one has received a gift not the gift or the salvation gift but each one has received a gift and he says use it to serve one another there's a reason you have that gift and that's not about you set yourself to the side it's to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace, his varied grace. So as we are serving in our giftings, we are stewards of God's grace. And we all love to sing and talk about wanting to be showered and covered in God's grace. It is. It's through your giftings. And are you a good steward? Again, because we're all servants. We're all in ministry. Are we a good steward? Are we a faithless steward. Are we taking what God has given us? There goes my mint wrapper. Are we taking what God has given us and investing and pouring it into others? Are we taking what God has given us and we bury it in the dirt? Remember the parable? See, we're all servants, but are we good stewards of the grace that God has given us through the gifts? He says, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So we are to serve one another, not for the sake of you and not even for the sake of the person that you're serving so that Jesus would be glorified in your life. That worship isn't just what we do here on a Sunday morning as Andy leads us in a little bit of song and we listen to the bald guy talk for a while. That's a part of it. But there's also worship when you're making the tremendous amazing McRib and you're handing these meals out. It's also worship when we're taking a forklift and loading up a trailer and taking it to a distribution center. It's also serving when you're scrubbing a house to make sure there's no mold in there before we spray it. That's worship because we are using our gifts and our talents. We're using our time, our treasure, our resources to serve Jesus. That's why he says, in everything that you do, glorify the Lord. And so we all servants, but not all are good servants in their serving and in their giftings. And here's the key. We often discover our giftings in the process of serving. So a lot of times we want to say, okay, I don't know where my giftings are, so I'm just going to hang out here and I'll wait until I see a really cool opportunity. No, God always uses a man that's already moving. Get moving, get doing something. It might not be your favorite thing to do, Going to Cal Kids, going to the cafe, serving on the hub, maybe a grounds team that we would love to develop here. There's a lot of different things. Might not be your cup of tea at start, but get serving. So this might be a shock to some of you. I hated public speaking. Go clear back to elementary school. Hey, we're all going to go around the room and everybody's going to read a paragraph. I'd rather wet my pants than have to read out loud in front of other students that were just going to make fun of me. I hated it. And even as I grew up and I kind of see that this is what the Lord was going to do in my life, there were times that I'd have to public speak and I was nervous, shaking. You can ask my family, I'd throw up almost before certain public speaking engagements. So if I looked back at my early Christian life when and, he, and if the Lord would have said, oh yeah, you're going to be a public speaker, you're going to be in front of people on a consistent basis, <laughs> I'm out. I'm gone. I'm not doing it. And so it's not only discovering our gifts and serving, but it's also being equipped and training in those and those becoming sharpened in that. But we got to do the lesser things first. You know, like you think of Jesus talking to the disciples, the first few things that he said was, hey, would you turn the other cheek? Somebody smacks you, would you just turn the other cheek? Would you, if you're being sued for your coat, would you give them your cloak as well? Would you even just walk an extra mile? See, that's where he started with the lesser things because he's going to eventually ask them to pick up their cross and carry it. But if we can't even walk an extra mile, we're never going to pick up our cross. You know, some of the first serving ministry opportunities I had was upward basketball. I had about 12 fifth and sixth graders who thought they were all LeBron James because they had no idea who Michael Jordan is, the GOAT, right? And so I had to educate them. They had no idea who Michael Jordan was. They had no idea who Jesus was. They just thought they were ballers. That was my first ministry-serving thing, going to practice and games. And oh, how I needed the Lord just to get through that. My strongest prayer, help me not choke out a kid today, Lord. I failed you today, but I'll try harder tomorrow, right? Like... But you never would have looked at that young kid, you know, I was probably like 22 or something, coaching basketball and think, oh, he's gonna be a senior pastor one day. Be like, that guy's going to jail, right? That's abuse, brother. No, but we discover our giftings. We get equipped in our giftings. We fine tune our giftings in serving. So if, I'm just gonna encourage you, get moving. So serve, uh, you know, one of the questions that we have to answer a lot of times is you'll hear inside the body, you know, I think we need to be serving outside of the body. Everybody, you know, this holy huddle, we need to be on mission and outside of the walls. And then then you have other people say, no, we got mission fields right here. Why are we going to Kentucky? And Can I just politely offend everybody and say, I think that's a cop-out. That when we say, oh, we don't need to be serving in the church, we need to go over, most of the time that's somebody that's just sitting and taking up space. They're not serving in either area. They just like to critique and criticize and vice versa. You know, if you have a passion that you think the church needs to be serving outside of the walls, go and do that. Let's talk about that. If you think, no, there's there's ministry here that we need to be doing in our own community, let's do that. But it's not an either or. It's like two rails of a train, right? Has to run on both. It's not a monorail. Yes, there there needs to be serving outside of the walls. That's, That's mission, and we're on mission. But there's also the rail of inside. And again, I'm just going to go back to Scripture for it. So Galatians 6.10. So then, as we have opportunity, and opportunity is great, just so you know, let us do good to everyone. Let us do good to everyone. And especially to those who are the household of faith. I mean, Paul is telling us in Galatians, the Holy Spirit is telling us, yes, serve outside, but don't forget your brother's inside. There should almost be a focus here. That it's a testimony and a witness to those that are outside. Why do those people over at Calvary just love each other and care for each other so much? Why are they just in each other's lives and filling needs and stuff like that? Like, why is that? Because of Jesus. How do we get to become a part of that? Jesus. They don't even like each other. Like, they used to fight all the time. I went to high school with them, and now look at them. Jesus. It is a testimony to the grace of God in our lives. And so, yes, we should be serving outside. And we should be serving inside. Hebrews 6.10, and there's no like magical number code because they're both 6.10 and talk about the same thing. So don't get all crazy about that. But Hebrews 6.10 says, For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. God's not unjust. He knows what you did. He knows what you're doing the work and the love that you're sharing, and that you're showing to the saints. So scripture is clear. We absolutely need to be serving our brothers, and we need to be serving our community and our world around us. So why is serving important? It's a part of our identity as followers of Jesus. Serving is a part of discipleship and action. Number three, serving is a part of our spiritual growth. See, Christianity is really easy when we hold people at a distance when we just walk in here, listen to a little service, walk away, get out before anybody at the greeting door is going to talk to us, something like that, get back in our car and get the heck out of Dodge, right? It's really easy. Where the difficulty, where the change is going to happen is when we get up close and we start rubbing elbows with people. That's where transformation is going to happen because it's going to be with some people that are really easy to love But a lot of times, it's going to be with people that are hard to love. But Christianity is real easy when we just keep each other at a distance. We don't allow people into our lives. We don't want to step into other people's lives. It's real easy. But transformation really happens when we rub elbows with one another. In the New Testament, there are 59 one another exhortations that are given in Scripture. Meaning, In the New Testament, there is 59 commands to do something in regard to other people. That our faith is meant to be lived out in community. This idea of an individual faith in Jesus, an individual Christianity that we don't share, talk about with anybody else. You know, that whole, we don't talk about religion and politics at the dinner table. Seems like that's all that everybody's talking about. But our faith is something. And so the one another, is so it to be to love one another, to honor one another, to teach one another, be kind to one another, to serve one another, submit to one another. We love that word, right? Pray for one another, encourage one another. You know what's not in the New Testament? Criticize one another. Tear each other down. Hurt one another. Isolate from One another. No, the New Testament is full that we need the one another's in our life. That we fully cannot live out our faith without one another. That I need you, you need me, we need each other. That we are in this together. It's almost like we're a body and there's different parts and members and we're all together. We have different roles and responsibilities for one purpose. I feel like somebody's wrote something about that before. And so... As we allow the gospel, as we allow Jesus to change our hearts, we'll develop a deep care for other people. I used to be really selfish. And that selfish nick still comes out at times. Got home last night, 11 hours on the road, and I'm telling you, everybody drove so great that I had to drive next to. There wasn't one time that I just wanted to throw something at somebody because they were driving really slow in front of me. you can pick up on the sarcasm we get home I've been sleeping on a twin bed that's like that thin or thick however you want to put it hadn't seen my wife and two of my kids I'm a little bit tired and I get home and my seven year old walks up you want to play Legos yep I was hoping you would ask I've been waiting a week for you to ask if I want to play so here I am sitting on the floor which I'm getting kind of old sorry if that offends you but it's happening right Indian style, crisscross applesauce, playing Legos. I'm like, my hips are screaming right now. It's not about me. That I wanted that selfish Nick to come out. No, I just want to lay in my chair and veg out and do nothing and think about nothing. But I have a little girl that hasn't seen her dad in a week. So I built a spaceship out of Legos. Here we go. But we allow the gospel to change our lives and we're going to develop a deep care for other people. And our attention will be turned away from ourselves. It's not about us. And it's not thinking less of ourselves. It's just thinking about ourselves less. That's what humility is. And so we turn away from ourselves and we turn to the needs of other people. So a good measure of our spiritual health is the depth of our concern for other people, the one another's, And so God weaves this beautiful relationship between both working in us and through us and serving will mature us spiritually. So the three reasons why serving is important. It's a part of our identity as a follower of Jesus. It's a part of discipleship and action that all of us are called to be disciples and to be discipled. And so we cannot do that without serving. And serving is a part of our spiritual growth. And the more we serve, It's actually the more mature we are as a Christian. And so in closing, Psalm 92, 13 says, They are planted in the house of the Lord, in the house of Yahweh, and they flourish in the courts of God. I love that. It's talking about the people of God almost as if they're plants, right? There's the analogy, not literally, just the analogy. And the thing about plants is they don't not only take nutrients from the soil, Plants actually give back different nutrients into that same soil. So one plant will leave behind an excess of a nutrient that causes the next plant or the one next to them to flourish. So this morning when you walk away and you go to lunch or maybe brunch because it's a little early still and, oh, what do you think of the service? And blah, blah, blah. this is the one line I hope that just impacts you and wrecks your life this week that you cannot shake we all need to start sowing back into the soil where we are planted. If you call Calvary Lake Ozark your home, and this is church, and this is the body of believers that we want to connect with and plug and grow in, perfect. Yes, growing matters. Grow where you are planted. That is life groups. That's a whole another pillar of our ministry. Sunday morning, we wanna grow in our understanding of the Lord and our walk with him, but also sow back into the same soil where you are planted. Because what we don't want is just to be that plant that only takes and takes and takes nutrients. You know what that is, right? It's a weed. That's a cancer. And as a cancer survivor, I can attest to that. That a cancer cell, all it does is take, 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 take and it kills all the healthy cells or organs around because this cancer just takes. And so we need to sow back into where we are planted. That's what serving is all about. And so you have a card on your chair that talks about certain needs that we have inside the body. I encourage you to Take that, fill it out, pray about that. We have a basket out by our vision wall that we would be, because we love Jesus, we are creating a community of faith that impacts the community in which we live by sharing God's word and showing God's love. That's what we are about. And there's no age limit here. So if you're dirt old or still wet behind the ears, if you even know what that phrase means, if you're a follower of Jesus, You're a servant of Jesus. And we would love to figure out how you can be used by the Lord as a part of our church, inside the walls, outside of the walls, overseas. But it should start in the house. It should start at home. That our love for one another here. So I encourage you, not because of who I am, Not because of this guilt trip. No guilt. Guilt is a horrible motivator. Conviction by the Holy Spirit, a little better, a lot better. Don't let it be guilt. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Don't be led by need. So I'm not outlining and going over all the different things that we have. Challenge us to find an area of ministry for you. Instead of just saying, hey, here's the boxes, this is what we need. Which is true, there is some of that. But how can we as a body use our giftings, our talents, our skills, our heart for the Lord to serve the body and to serve the community in which we live? That's the challenge that I hope you give to us as a staff. And again, this is between you and the Lord. Because if we are all led by the Spirit, there would be no need that the bride would be taken care of, that the, the, the one another's that we have inside the house would be cared for. If we're all being led by the Spirit, we'll reach the people that we need to reach in our community, in our country, and our world. So it's not a question of what am I gonna do with da, da, da. It's a question of how am I gonna respond to Jesus? That's the question before you. So Father, we love you. We trust you and we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for an opportunity that we can pause, we can reflect upon you, who you are, your identity, the calling that you have on our lives, reflect upon your word and the challenge upon us. And I pray that, Lord, here at Calvary, that we would be good stewards of your grace, And we would allow you to continue to lead and guide us. That we would be fruitful and effective in our ministries and our serving. So that we would encourage and build up the body. And we would reach the lost and the broken in our community. Give us that kind of faith, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. If you need prayer, every Sunday, every service... We have a prayer team that is always over here. Nothing too small, nothing too big. We would love to pray with you. That keeps it very confidential. They don't, you know, we don't come up at second service and be like, oh, I guess the lost sinner in first service, what they were praying about. We just want to pray with you. We always want to make that ministry available. So if you're feeling led to want to pray, talk with somebody, we always have a prayer team. Other than that, go love God, love others, impact this world. Thank you.